everyone. I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. Now, if you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you're always in the know and leave us a review. Now, before I get into today's show, I just have to share that this is the first episode that I've recorded since being back from my three-month deployment. And now as a podcaster, I did bring my mic and everything with me. So episodes that you've been listening to over the last few months, including the end of that Path to the Draft series, were done while I was on the road. But I'm going to say it's good to be back home. And when I left my house in April, this was in the middle of the pandemic, chaos still, where we're kind of in a new normal. But back then, things were chaotic. I thought it was going to be gone for just a few weeks, maybe a month tops, and that kept getting extended and extended. So it ended up being three months before I got home. So I'll say it again, it's so nice to be home. And lastly, before I get into introducing our guests, I'll just say, you know, it sucks that we're going through this coronavirus situation, but I'm hoping that we can all agree that there's been a bit of goodness in this too, and that this environment has really forced us to pause a bit to reconnect with people and strengthen relationships and also make us appreciate those things in our life that we used to have taken for granted. I'll say that for me, that that's definitely been the case, especially being gone for the last three months. So, all right, that's all I'm going to say about that. This isn't supposed to be an episode about me talking. I'll get off my soapbox and get into introducing our guests. So today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Alex Presley. Now, Alex is a former professional baseball outfielder and was selected by the Pittsburgh Pirates in the eighth round of the 2006 MLB draft. Alex played for the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Minnesota Twins, the Houston Astros, the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Detroit Tigers. And in total, Alex played professional baseball for 12 seasons, 12 years, including eight seasons in the major leagues. And in 2010, Alex was named Minor League Player of the Year for the Pirates. And we'll get into more of that during the show. So without further ado, Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, Jen. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So let's start this off. You were a three-sport standout in high school in Louisiana, and you ended up earning a baseball scholarship to the University of Mississippi. But tell us, how did you get into playing baseball? Uh, I don't really know. I think I, I feel like I always played. I don't remember like any particular time when I got into it. I was always active in, in multiple sports, which I'm thankful for. You see a lot of kids now specializing in one sport. And I feel like, you know, playing three sports growing up really helped me out in a lot of different aspects of baseball and, and just learning about uh, competition and, and stuff like that. And what was it about baseball that made you really enjoy playing the game? I was the best at <laughs> I was the best at baseball. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know. I just always, always got pulled back to baseball. Like I love soccer. I was a soccer player in high school, pretty good. And I played football. I only played, technically I only played one year of football and I was a kicker. So I don't know if that really counts as being a football player, but I was, uh, I was on the field. So yeah, baseball was always my, my first love and I was fortunate enough to, to make a career out of it. And so talk to us about playing college baseball at the University of Mississippi. What was that like? How was that transition from high school to playing at the collegiate level? Being in high school, you're the best player on the team, best player in the area, most likely. 
and you go to college and now you're thrown in with a bunch of guys that, that were the best player in their area. So it just kind of ups the, the competition level. I remember being really nervous when I got to college as far as like, uh, you know, am I going to be good enough to, to compete? And just played and was fortunate enough to do well in fall and, and, and ended up starting my freshman year and then just, just carried on through uh, the next three years. And it was awesome. We had really big crowds. I mean, we'd have ten or 11,000 people on games on the weekend, which is rare. Got to play in the Southeastern Conference, which is you know, arguably the best baseball conference and you know, great atmospheres on the road there, too. So it was, it was a really cool experience. It's the best football conference, too, by the way. I agree. As an Alabama, <laughs> as an Alabama fan, I'm a little bit biased, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we we uh, got you a couple times here in the past 10 years or so, so it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> right, it's, it, but it's a great conference <laughs> for sports. So was there anybody that you played with, a teammate or a, or a coach or a mentor, someone that kind of helped you to improve and, and just be a better athlete while you were in college? Probably Dan McDonald. He's now the head coach at, at Louisville. Um, he's been there for probably over 10 years now. He's been in the College World Series uh, multiple times, turned that program into a perennial powerhouse. He was our assistant coach and, and he recruited me to Ole Miss. So, you know, I have a lot of love for him and took a lot from him in my time there. Gotcha. Was there anything that he said or anything that he did that would kind of keep you on your toes or, or make you wanting to, you know, outperform how you were before? Um, I think more so than anything, you would always keep it kind of more loose and let you know it was okay to have fun out there and just kind of let your talents play. So, you know, mentally you could kind of relax and, and just have fun. Got it. And tell us, what is it like playing outfielder? What skills do you think are really necessary to be elite at that position? So speed, agility, anticipation is big. The ability to take correct routes to balls and you know, don't want to have to run further than you need to to get, get to one area. So I don't know, some of the stuff I was good at, I was always really fast and always could anticipate and read uh, how in a bat was going or, you know, what the hitter looked like against our guy on the mound and, and could kind of like make my own little adjustments out there. You know, if the hitter looked like he was late or, you know, our guy had a really good fastball that most guys didn't get around on, you know, maybe I'd take a couple steps uh, to the opposite side and, and just, just stuff like that, being able to make adjustments and, and, and kind of read the game. And it's funny, like I think about all the adjustments that I make, you know, pre-pitch and they became so second nature that I didn't have to really consciously go through them. They would just happen uh, because I did it so many times. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. It's more than just standing around out there and just running after the ball. I can tell you that. Sure. Absolutely. And so share with us, was there a game that really stood out? I'll say, was it like your most memorable game while you were in college? I remember my freshman year, we had Tennessee was at our place and I was pumped up, you know, big crowd. Might have been one of our biggest crowds at that point ever. I hit a game, go ahead home run in the eighth for us to win one game. And then I hit a walk off home run in the next game. And like Ole Miss is known for like the students are in right field. So then we usually have you know a lot of them out there and they're known for like the beer shower. Somehow they, they're able to have beer out there. So I don't know. But on a home run, they all toss up their, their beers in the air. So it's a massive beer shower. So um, just just cool stuff like that. Just the, the college atmosphere is something that you, know, you can't really replicate it, even at the pro level. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There, there's something about college sports, college fans, the energy that is just there on game day by the fans. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Very passionate about sports, especially like you know, a lot of the SEC schools like we talked about are in, in smaller towns. So like in Oxford, where Ole Miss is located, it's everything that's going on. So like if there's a game, you know, everybody's going. That's the thing to do. So like it was, you know, a lot of passion from the fans. And, and, you know, everybody wants to be a part of a game where there's a lot of, you know, excitement and passion with the players and the fans. So it was it was pretty cool. 
Absolutely. So how about when things aren't going your way on the field, the team's losing, and so you don't have the crowd pumped up as much as as if things were the other way? How do you stay mentally focused? How do you stay locked into what you need to do so that you can give your team a chance to, to come back and win? Well, it's a pretty tricky part, especially baseball. There's so much failure in baseball as compared to other sports. You know, if I go three out of 10, you know, they always say you're, you're going to make the Hall of Fame. So like those other seven, you got to be able to find a way to deal with it. But I was fortunate, just my nature keeps me at a pretty even keel. But I was a guy that wouldn't show a lot of emotion. But inside was where you really, you know, you battled, you know, going even from like one day of a, of a bad game or a bad stretch for the team. Um, you got to find a way to, to stay level-headed and keep doing your work, you know, day in and day out. Even if you went four for four, you know, go in and work just as hard as you did when you were 0 for four the day before. But the baseball season is just so long, it's almost more of a mental grind than it is a physical grind. Mentally, you can really get eaten up if you, you know, aren't conscious of, of your thoughts and you know, how you handle failure and successes, or it can really snowball on you quickly. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that when we transition to talking professional baseball, because the season is longer. I mean, in MLB, you've got 160 games plus, right, in a season, whereas football, for example, you've only got 16 games. So it's a very different environment. Basketball is obviously a little bit longer than that than uh, football, but but baseball, is just, it's, it's a long season. And so being able to stay mentally uh, locked in is definitely a difficult thing to do. A lot of things that, that aren't on the field can be some of the things that, that can wear at you, wear on you the most. But I mean, there's not many days off. I think in the big leagues, I think we had maybe three days off a month, typically, if we were you know, three, maybe four, just depending on how the schedule fell uh, that month. And in the minor leagues, even less. You know, you're playing almost literally every day in the minor leagues in really bad travel conditions, checking in out of hotels, a lot of times tired, but it's one of those things where, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So, you know, the beginning of the season for me was always some of the, the toughest times because you have such a small amount of at-bats that if you if you start out poorly in the beginning of the year, you know, our statistics are shown everywhere in baseball. So, like, if you look at the scoreboard, say you started out 2 for 20 to start the year and you're hitting 100, that can turn around quickly in a couple games, you know, in your favor because of the, the sample size. But, Mentally, you look up there and you're thinking, "Man, I gotta, I gotta pull it together." When in, in all actuality, you have you know probably 600 at bats the whole season. Sure. So let's talk about when you first entered the league. As I mentioned, when I read your bio, uh, you were selected by the Pirates in the 2006 draft. Talk to us what that was like, and then also share with those listening what happens after getting selected because it's very different uh, as you and I have talked about before it's different than other sports like if you go if you get drafted in the NBA get drafted in the NFL you're pretty much going to play for that team um but baseball is different so just share for some of our listeners may not be familiar with how baseball works so if you could just share a little bit about that process that would be great yeah so you know like you said I was drafted in the 8th round Anything in the top 10 rounds of baseball is usually, you know, they're going to have a little bit of something, you know, invested in you, especially the top five rounds. So I was outside of that. But guys in the top 10 rounds usually get you know, a little more favor than typically than guys that are drafted later, purely from a financial investment standpoint. So like, you know, like in my case, I went to a major university, great facilities, things like that. You get drafted. And then you go to, in my case, was uh, A ball. So there's all there's there's like four levels of single A baseball, four to five levels, which a lot of people don't know. So there's what I went to is called short season because you get drafted in June, so they're in the middle of the the minor league season already. So they send you to a team that only plays 
for the half of that year to finish that season out. So you get to play some professional baseball your first year. Other guys go to higher levels. Maybe if you're a first rounder, you'll go to low A. So there's what they call Gulf Coast League, which is down here in Florida. You play in Florida. And I think Arizona has one as well. You'll go to either short season like I did, short season A ball, low A ball, and then there's high A ball all before you get to double A. So you're starting out most likely, like I said, unless you're a, a top pick. And even if you were a high school guy and a top pick, you're probably starting at a low level because of inexperience. I went to Williamsport, Pennsylvania for my first year or first short short season. And you know, you're going to places where the facilities aren't as good as where I was in college. Just coming off a of college season, never played anything more than fifty games or fifty to sixty games in a in a season. So now I'm tacking on another I think it was another sixty or seventy on top of that. You know, being away from home, really away from home for the first time. It's not too glamorous. Like once the draft wears off, uh, there's definite work to do. I mean, long bus trips, uh, staying in hotels that aren't always the greatest. <laughs> and uh, you really get thrown into it. And, and like you said, NFL, NBA, most of the time now they have the G League for, for basketball. But yeah, on the other hand, it's also harder to break into those leagues. Like, for example, NFL, I, I wouldn't have been drafted. I mean, seven rounds in the NFL draft, I was eighth. So if you look at it that way, you know, those are really exclusive leagues to get into. You know, I... I got drafted by the Pirates and I wasn't, I didn't see PNC Park until I was four or five years in. So yeah, it's, it's not, it's not the most glamorous life down in the minor leagues for sure. Yeah. Now you talked about, you know, being away from your family. How did you adjust to that change in environment? What things, what habits, skills did you put into practice to kind of keep you mentally sane and being able to deal with that change? In my case, you know, you're not making a lot of money to play at that point. So what they did was, so we didn't have to set up you know, apartments or anything that year is, is I was in a, with a host family, you know, I was with a host family who was great and, and made it easy. My parents were, you know, probably four hours away, could come to games when I was in college. But when I was in Williamsport, you know, you don't know anybody, I'm coming to a new team, I'm staying with the people I don't really know. So there's a lot of navigating going on in my own head, you know, is this what I want to do? I don't know. It was just, it was tough. Like it was just kind of a weird transition. Being uncomfortable was something that I kind of got used to. And uh, at that point, you know, the season, like I said, we probably had another 60 games or so tacked onto the college season. And I just remember thinking like, you know, how many games do we have left? Counting down the days, the games to where, you know, I can go back home and get to the off season. But one of those things where I was kind of in shock because I'd never really been in that situation. Um, and you know, it took me a couple of years to get to the point where like, I knew how to manage time as far as like on the calendar and, and, and you know, I didn't count days. Inevitably, time went by quicker. Yeah, I mean, you're getting more accustomed to the environment. Whereas, you know, when you first go there, it's a transition, it's different. Yeah, you know, there's some change. People aren't always, uh, they resist that change a little bit. Or it's like, oh, I can't wait to get back to where I was. And so you're getting more into that routine. So it makes it not seem as long right. of, a, uh, of a season. You'd see, you know, certain people struggle with it more than others. You could, you could tell, or, you know, you'd be like, well, you know, this guy, maybe I don't know if the lifestyle is going to suit this guy. You know, he's, he's good, but I don't know, you know, how he's going to handle this for the long term, um, stuff like that. So it was, it was an adjustment for sure. Gotcha. So let's talk about uh, September 2010 is when you were promoted to the, big leagues, the major leagues. And so your first game was September 8th, 2010 for the Pirates played against the Atlanta Braves. So talk to us about what was that experience like for you? Well, you know, you grow up watching your favorite players and teams on TV 
and I was no exception as a kid. Like I, I had my eyes glued to, to games all the time. And so at a certain point, you know, you, these guys are like superheroes and, you know, it's something that seems unattainable. And then, you know, you work your whole life and then have that opportunity. And now you're, you're one of those guys. I remember being really nervous. My first at bat, you know, super amped up, struck out my first at bat, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, ended up swinging at a pitch I didn't want to swing at. You know, I'm so, you know, hyped to be there. And it was just like, a, it was just an unreal moment for me. You know, all the work I'd put in, you know, for my entire life kind of culminated into that one moment. I was just, you know, trying to really soak that moment in and just kind of enjoy it. Because I was at a point where I got called up in September on a, a losing team and and I was just given, you know, the opportunity to have some at bats in September and just kind of feel it out. And this is what the major leagues are going to be like. So, you know, here's a here's a taste of it, and just try to enjoy it and reflect on, you know, how far I'd come at that point. Sure. And you mentioned earlier, you know, you watch baseball as a kid. You've got these, you know, they become hero status or superhero status. You, as a kid or, or growing up, who are some of the baseball greats that you admired, and what in your mind put them atop of the list? Um, I mean, it's talent that makes these people great, but there's more than just talent. Right. Well, we talked about my mom's side of the family is from outside of Chicago. So I was always a Cubs fan and they were always on WGN when I was growing up. So I was glued to the day games uh, when I got home from school. I was a big Mark Grace fan. I loved King Griffey Jr. He might've been my favorite player growing up, not on the Cubs. And he was just so cool with the, you know, the, the hat on backwards in the home run derby, stuff like that, you know, showing a lot of flair, which is ironically not how I am at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember you know, Dunstan, Short, Grace, Sandberg at second for the Cubs. And it's cool, like some of those guys you end up meeting, the guys that you watched growing up, you know, are now in coaching or you, you cross paths with them. So it's just crazy how, how it all uh, guys stay in baseball and the, and the whole thing comes full circle. Sure, absolutely. We don't always have to be on winning teams or, you know, have uh, these like oh my gosh, that was amazing experience <laughs> to, to, to have great lessons and memories and things that we take away from those experiences that help us to, to be successful where we're going next. So are there any little moments or lessons that you learned along the way that you think will always stick with you to help you as you continue beyond the game now? Yeah. How much time do we have? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Go for it. Um, it's going to sound just very general, but like, you know, the ability to keep your head down when things aren't, aren't going as planned. You know, I got, I got sent down and back up a bunch of times throughout those years and, you know, had a lot of disappointments where I had to, you know, be like, hey, Alex, like, you got to pick yourself up off the mat here. We got we to gotta figure it out because you still have to play well. Get sent down to AAA and, and there is pressure to play well when you get down there, but you got to regroup quickly, stuff like that. Like being able to, to take games one pitch at a time instead of, you know, thinking, hey, my first three at-bats weren't good the day's shot. Instead, figure out ways to, to make that fourth at bat count because try to carry over to the next day. So, you know, a lot of lessons that can be applied to, to life in general. So, I got a lot tougher coming out of out of that time than, than when I went in. Sure. And talk to us about your transition out of baseball into, I'll call the regular world. What was that transition like for you? It's really weird. Like, I'm a citizen now, it feels like more than anything. I don't know if that makes Because <laughs> like, I remember little stuff going to the doctor and having to sit in a waiting room. Like it's something that I never really had to do. Like if I was sick or hurt, I would always be able to just go with the trainer. They'll just take you to the back. You don't wait, you know, wait for anything. It's kind of strange. Like the preferential treatment ends pretty quickly. Yeah. It's been nice to be 
kind of slow down a little bit and be in one place for more than a few months at a time and get to be around family. And we just had a a baby six months ago. So like I'm trying to be a dad and adjusting to that. So there's enough going on. There's plenty going on at this point in time. Let's put it that way. Sure. And when you were coming out, did you have an idea of what uh, what it was you were going to do next? I really didn't. I You think you want to be in baseball forever and that's what I'm best at. But I haven't really decided as far as baseball goes, you know, how I'm going to try to use that moving forward or if I'm even going to do it, whether it be coaching or anything else. But just have some opportunities, you know, come your way and try not to jump with the first thing that, that comes and kind of really try to nail down what you want to do. And I'm still kind of in that process, even though I have a, you know, a couple things going on right now. Yeah. So let's talk about those things. So y- you are involved with a company called MetaNew as well as Tailtrack. So tell us about both of those. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about Tailtrack first. Tailtrack is a is an app for your dog, at least right now for, the, for your dog. It's going to be for pets in general down the line. The premise behind it is that you know, we want to promote better dog health through connecting dogs with their litter mates through the app. Health concerns with dogs are usually with the, the breed. So what we want to do is we try to track down the, the litter mates and, and try to isolate it to that one litter so you can predict uh, dog health. And you can also uh, keep your medical records on there and exchange them through vets. And I mean, it's got all kinds of stuff. You can find dog parks, you can find pet hospitals where you are, you can find pet friendly hotels. So you're just trying to, you know, really, you know, make the experience uh, for you and your pet easier and, and, you know, have them have a longer life. Gotcha. And so tell us where are, where can people learn more about tail tracks, uh, the websites, uh, social channels, and we'll be sure to put those in the show notes, but tell us where people can check it out more. Yeah, sure. Um, websites, tailtracks.com. The app's uh, downloadable in the, the app store with uh, both Apple and Android. Also on Instagram at, you know, at tailtracks. And then tell us about MetaNew as well. Uh, MetaNew is a, is a mental wellness program, which seems to be coming at a, a good time right now for everybody in society because there's a lot of issues going on like you talked about in the beginning of the show. But it's a program where you, you come and you take an uh, assessment and through the assessment test and an algorithm will determine you know, where you are most at need as far as your mental wellness. And once that's determined, you'll get a, what we call it a toolkit or toolbox to help with like specific exercises that will help that specific need. But it's a really cool thing to, to check in and try to stay in the best place you can be at mentally. Oh, that's great. I think it's important, especially now, like you said, I mean, we're going through this pandemic, unprecedented, uncertain times. And, you know, some people may know people who have been uh, impacted by COVID, either uh, job wise or have been, you know, symptomatic of uh, COVID symptoms. But a lot of people, while they may not know somebody or they may not ever test positive themselves, it's going to affect you mentally too. And so I would say it's very important that everyone during this time is really just uh, making sure their mental health is in order and keeping that as strong as they can and as fit as they can. And so I think a program like this is something that can be a great resource, especially during this time. So tell people, how can they learn more about it? Where can they go? Uh, The website's themetanew.com fairly new. It's still getting finalized here in hopefully the next couple couple weeks. And there is an Instagram. It's at the meta new. I would say go to the website first and check it out. Absolutely. I'll be sure to check it out and we'll keep uh, keep checking back for updated content as well. So what I want to do now is going to go to my two minute drill. But before I do that, I just want to get your take as someone who played in the league for many, many 
years, you know, we're, we're going through this interesting uh, time, interesting dynamic from a sports standpoint as well. Kind of share with us, what is your uh, viewpoint with everything that's going on with the world of Major League Baseball and uh, this condensed season and uh, playing without fans? Just share with us for a second or a minute or two, kind of what your thoughts are on that. I think baseball and I think people need baseball as well. I mean, you see, we just talked about, you know, sports are an escape for people. Um, so I think, you know, it's great that some of these leagues are trying to come back. Even the conditions are making it really tough, but I think it's something that people need to be able to get away. But as far as, you know, like the specifics, I think it's going to be really tough to manage in these times. There's so many moving parts, uh, for the players as far as, well, first and foremost, you, you don't want people to, to test positive, which is going to be a major hurdle. Guys flying across the country to get to their destination, you know, expect positive tests. It's going to happen, I'm assuming. So I don't know if they have a number that they could shut it down, but they have a 60 player pool they can pull from to put on the roster. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how it starts out. If one infection runs rampant throughout the team somehow, you know, how's that going to work with the team? playing or staying competitive. And I would be surprised if the season went all the way through, even though it's 60 games. Major League Baseball doesn't have a bubble, but there's a lot of restrictions in place. You're just going to have to change the way that you knew everything as far as what a baseball season looks like from a player standpoint. There's going to be a lot of new new experiences going on and a lot of hurdles to cross that may be unforeseen. So hopefully the measures they put in place can get them through the year. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been different uh, without any sports the last, uh, there's been a couple things and there's been replays and, and different things like that, but uh, obviously not live sports on for quite some time. So it'll be good to see some live sports action. I've actually been watching a lot of uh, football clips on YouTube, just highlights from college games and different <laughs> pro games. And so I'm looking forward to, to seeing baseball back on. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So what I want to do now is I want to transition to my two-minute drill and just ask you seven fun questions. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Here we go. What's your favorite food? Bone and ribeye. Okay. What is your favorite movie? Back to the Future. Oh, that's a good movie. The first one? Yeah, the first one. I like the second one. The third one gets a little whatever, but you know, it's got the same, same players in the game, so I'm, I'm, I'm down for it whenever it's on. Gotcha. Sure. Okay. How about what is your favorite professional sports team? New Orleans Saints. Okay. They've definitely had some great players, great experiences, Super Bowl championship. I very much liked Drew Brees. Great person. It's been a tough couple playoffs, maybe three in a row playoffs. But growing up in Louisiana, that's that was like our only pro team. So at that point, until they got the, the Hornets, who are now the Pelicans, I just default to them. Baseball's out. I just like to enjoy the players themselves. So. Gotcha. Okay. Um, how about what is the best piece of advice that you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? The one thing that's always stuck with me, and I can't tell you who told me because I don't remember, it was a great judge of characters is what you do when nobody's watching. We always have in the minor leagues, you know, they'll have like these traveling rovers who are over the entire minor league system that would go from team to team in the minor leagues and stay for a series or, you know, you would know if the GM was in town. They'd always be like, oh, so-and-so's here. What am I supposed to like act differently now because he's in the stands? Like I never understood that because I always tried to to do the same whether somebody was watching me or not. So that stuck with me. Gotcha. And now I'm going to flip it and ask you, what is the best piece of advice that you would give to somebody? I'm a Christian. So I'm going to say seek God first in everything. That's given me a lot of comfort. 
throughout my entire career and, and just a lot of things in life. So that comes before everything else for me. I like that. I would agree with that. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? I try to play the guitar. I've gotten into running post-baseball and it's been interesting to say the least. I have a lot of respect for, for runners and what they do. Okay. And then the last question is, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? Is Iron Man considered a superhero? Yes, he is. Okay. <laughs> it's my favorite. I, want the, I want the suit. Yeah, I need the suit. So like he can do a, a lot of different things in that suit. So like we've all seen the movies. At least I would hope you've seen the movies. You know, destruction, flying, stuff like that. would be pretty cool. Like feeling invincible. So I go with Iron Man. Okay. Great choice. And uh, so <laughs> as we wrap up the show, any last thoughts for our listeners? Yeah. Watch baseball. If you're not a baseball fan, check it out. Baseball is a great sport. I mean, so I, I'm football is my first uh, love of, from a sports standpoint, but I'm, I am a Cubs season ticket holder. I have 81 home games. So I am bummed that I'm not going to be able to be in Wrigley uh, nice. this season. That's not not but, nice, but nice to the tickets. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's it's an amazing experience. I love going to Wrigley. Um, but I mean, I'll just watch baseball on TV. Too, there's so much that goes. It is not as fast paced as uh as football or basketball, but there's a lot of strategy that goes into baseball and the lineup. And yeah, there, there's a lot there. You know, going to the minor leagues, I think a lot of the reason that guys go to the minor leagues is because there's, there's a ton to learn about baseball that you need to play a lot of games to catch on. So not that the other sports aren't complicated because they are, but like just from, you know, pure athleticism can't always get you, get you by in baseball as it can sometimes in football or basketball. So the intricacies of the game sometimes aren't seen on TV or you know, even in the stands. But you know, if, you, if you really pay attention and, and, and try to learn about it, you know, you'll find out it's pretty complicated and there's a lot goes into it. So, Oh, absolutely. And I guess I'll, I'll just say to uh, wrap up, but uh, Javi Baez, who plays for the, the Cubs, I mean, just watching him over the last couple of years and his growth and just the spectacular plays that, that he makes, it is so exciting to watch um, some of these uh, talented individuals out there uh, in the ballpark. So I would highly encourage you if you're not, uh, if you're not a baseball fan or you've not watched it, then take some time and watch some games. It's definitely a great sport to get into. Oh yeah. Javi's a treat. He's good. He's fun to watch. And I think too, what makes him great. I mean, aside from just the spectacular plays, the athleticism, he, he gives it his all every single game. You don't always see that this day and age. It doesn't always happen. So he has every tool in the box. That's for sure. You know, even on defense, he's fun to watch. Oh so, yeah, for sure. And he's having it. fun too. You can yeah. tell he's loving it. He's having fun. He's giving it his all every game. And uh, he definitely makes him great. He makes the game exciting. Well, thank you so much, Alec, for being on the show today. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. And thanks to everyone for listening to today's episode. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.